Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're talking about Strange New World, Season 2, Episode 2, at Astra Per Aspera. But first, how are you doing this morning, Vicki? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Very good. Having a lovely day. The, the rain has finally stopped, and we're getting the hot now, which I am not complaining that we have not seen a 90-degree day until just about July. So I'm totally happy with that. Yeah, we're getting all the smoke again from Canada. Oh, yeah. So I'm kind of hoping for rain. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. That's miserable. And as you know, living in the Sierras, we deal with that on a regular basis. And I know how miserable that is. Yeah. I'm really sorry. A couple of weeks ago, it was bad. Um, yeah. Today, maybe yesterday it started, but today it's noticeable. Do you like look at the um, air quality index every day before you decide whether you're going to leave the house? I never did before in my life until a couple of weeks ago when we had. Yeah. I mean, because when before I realized it was smoke, I just thought it was going to rain. It was all gray, no sun. Yeah. And then later I realized it was because of the smoke. For some reason, I didn't smell it as much as I do this week. Yeah. And it could have been just because my allergies were really bad a couple of weeks ago, so I was couldn't smell it. But yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. 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 I'm so sorry. That just sucks. Well, I hope that you guys get rain and some relief from that. I know, but I hope Canada gets some rain. You know, that's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, let's talk about this episode. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and read the um, summary of it from uh, Memory Alpha, the fandom wiki for Star Trek. Commander Una faces court-martial along with possible imprisonment and dishonorable dismissal from Starfleet. And her defense is in the hands of a lawyer who's also a childhood friend with whom she had a terrible falling out. So did you like this episode? I liked it. I thought some of it was a bit heavy-handed. Just like Una's testimony perfectly matched the asylum regulations. And then the story, it kind of reminded me of this discovery story which we all we heard about was this horrible thing that went on between Spock and oh my god what's her name Michael and it wasn't as big as they led us to believe yeah but I did like it not as much as last week's but I did like it okay well ready for the counter position sure I love this episode I think it's one of my top five favorite episodes of all Star Trek across 50 plus years really now that being said as you're aware, I'm a retired attorney. Mm -hmm. So to me, this was not, it did not seem out of the ordinary for actual courtroom behavior. Okay. I kind of knew what was going on the whole time. Now, maybe that's, you know, maybe from the perspective of, of like the majority of the rest of the audience, it was uh, too much. Oh. But for me, I was like, oh yeah, that, that, oh yeah, oh yeah, totally was recognizable to me. Absolutely. I mean, especially with um, 
April's testimony getting yes. stricken. I mean, you can bring character witnesses all day long, but it's more important to have his the testimony where he says he wouldn't have sponsored her if he'd known stricken. And I know it said what's heard can't be unheard, but technically they can't use it, that testimony in their deliberations. Right. So, yeah, I knew what was going on. I just thought the the part that really bothered me was how Una's testimony, even the words she used, perfectly matched the asylum res- regulations. I just thought that was a little bit too much. Okay. In reality, a defense attorney would be prompting their witness to use appropriate words when appropriate when truthful it has to be truthful it can't just you know throw a word in there that doesn't make sense exactly Um, so to me that didn't feel out of the ordinary but but because una looked surprised when she called her to the stand that's what i would have thought i would have thought you know okay she was she was not prompted i don't want to say they went over her testimony blah 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 beforehand but because una looked surprised I don't think she thought she was going to be testifying. You're right, and there is that. Um, And the only thing, to me, again, I was okay with it because, oh, what's Nira? Is that her friend? Um, She knew about her childhood. And so if she had not said the right words, she would have asked questions to prompt those right words. So, again, it it didn't didn't bother me too much. Yeah, okay, yeah. But I can understand from another, you know, the different perspective about how it would seem like it aligned too much. Yeah, I still thought that's I what really it felt. <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Um, were there any parts of this episode that you didn't like? Besides, you know, like that part where it seemed to line up too much. Were anything anything else that seemed sort of like unreal to you? No, because like I said, with April's testimony, she did that purposely. I knew that. No, everything was fine. I don't think anything bothered me that I can think of. Maybe when we're going through, I'll think of something. But well, I will tell you. One of the things I was not crazy about was the proceedings were sealed, which is what Pike said at the beginning. Mm. Then why was the crew watching? True. They would not have been allowed to watch if the proceedings were sealed. True. So that was the only thing. And then on the other hand, if the proceedings weren't sealed, if they were somehow public, which is what I thought at first, by the way, Nero was behaving, that she was actually uh, presenting her argument to the court of popular opinion as opposed to the tribunal of three admirals. So that part was a little confusing to me. So we got to see some interesting things in this episode. We got to see a little bit of Una's backstory mm-hmm. and hear about Una's backstory of, you know, being persecuted and living essentially in a segregated environment as an Illyrian okay. um, and suffering from um, being unable to receive medical treatment because it, her, her status would be discovered. Right. But so here was the confusing part to me. I said nothing confused me until just now. Um, <laughs> she talked about being persecuted and, you know, the way they were treated and the attacks. But when they split the colonies, her family went to live with the non-Illyrian colony, which means they must have been passing. So I don't yes. think she was persecuted. It didn't sound like she was persecuted because she passed. But if she's living in an environment where at any moment she could be discovered, that's an environment of fear. So I think True. I think that could be argued to be a kind of persecution, even if it isn't directed to, directly at her. She's still living in a community where at any moment it could be. I, th- I would still call that kind of traumatic. Yes, but see, that also goes back to the way she described it, was that it sounded like they were being persecuted. And maybe her parents were. Maybe her parents because they people knew they were Illyrian. 
But then why, how would they go to live with the non-Illyrian people? Somehow sneak in and, you know, I, the obvious comparison is for African-Americans yeah. leaving the, you know, the South and moving up North and disappearing into communities who have no idea who they are. And that, to me, would have been a similar environment. They disappeared into this community not being known. Nobody knew who they were. Doing so, this is where, you know, we learn that this is the the source of the falling out with Nira, abandoning those who can't pass, you know, of their friends and family. And I also have a problem with that. Okay, tell me about that. She was a child. It wasn't her choice. Yeah. And maybe there's more. Maybe she could have come back and joined her Illyrian friends and she didn't. We, Late, we yeah. don't know. But yeah, for that, if that's the source of it and the only source of it, then yeah, it's a, Nira needs to take a deep breath. Right. So that was a little disappointing to me. So we also get to see a new planet where most of the Illyrians live because it is not hospitable to um, humans. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And so Pike goes there to, to convince Nira to defend Una and you know he has to bring his own oxygen right. and function in this environment, which is difficult. And I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was really cool world building that they've incorporated. It was, yeah. And I also thought his his conversation with Nira to talk her into representing Una was well done. It was because he spoke to her, not only that Una was her friend, but he spoke to her, a civil rights lawyer against the Federation, part of her personality. Yeah, I thought it was really smart. And they were both smart. They both understood each other and utilized arguments that were designed to stop the other one from continuing. And yet, and it worked. Yeah. The dialogue was really good. I thought it was terrific. It was. We're going to pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at eurekarewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. And we're back. We also get to see the relationship between Pike and Battelle, Captain Battelle, who serves as the Judge Advocate General's attorney in this case, though eventually the Admiral, who's the Judge Advocate General, who's also a Vulcan, took over, which I thought was really fascinating. It said so much. Absolutely. He didn't trust her emotions. He didn't trust her. He he thought that he had that all wrapped up in a logical bow that he just needed to lay it out as a present for the tribunal and it would be done. Yeah. There was a certain arrogance there, which I guess could be just Vulcan logic, but it was fun to see him taken down. It was. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so this relationship between Pike and Battelle was really interesting. She was trying to convince him that she was trying to help Una by giving her a plea deal, and there was a there was conflict between them, but they still managed to you know stay friends, even though they were sort of on the other side of the fence from each other on this issue. And I really liked it when he was like, "I don't know why I'm not getting called as a witness," and she walked him through what he would have to face on the stand. Right. And I thought that was brilliant. Right. To show him this is not as cut and dried as you think it is. Right. And that was, I think, one of the things I liked about the whole episode. It None of it was cut and dried the way people would think it was throughout the whole episode. We had Lon, who was convinced that it was her fault that Una got turned in because she 
put something in her personal log about Una being an Illyrian when she was angry about it. Right. We had her going to Uhura to find out if someone had looked at her personal logs, which would have ended up with Uhura violating some important Starfleet Federation precedent. And she refused a direct order from Lon. But in a way, that was really supportive. And I just, oh, the character development between the two of them was so amazing. Right. And she says that she's not only doing it because it's against regulations, but she's doing it to help her. Yes. Because if she follows... To not lose her commission. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I did like that, too. Yeah. I loved that. And the same was with the interaction between Lon and Nira. Nira is really, really good at reading who she's talking to. We saw that with Pike. We saw that with Una. We even saw it with that Admiral. I don't remember his name, but the Vulcan Admiral. Yeah. And then we saw it with Lon. And Nira went right to the heart of what was bothering Lon, you know, ferreting out from her that she was afraid she was the reason that Una got turned in. And then saying to her, you're afraid because of your family name. Noonien Singh, which we all remember from Space Seed and from Wrath of Khan, that Khan Noonien Singh was genetically modified and he became a violent dictator, a tyrant, and Lon is related to him. And then she admitted she has the family augmentations. Yeah. She inherited them, which is really interesting from the standpoint of this Federation rule. Exactly. That was a little confusing to me, too. Yes. And the only thing that I could think of was simply that because she inherited it from, you know, generations past, they couldn't, they couldn't, can't hold all the future generations under this rule. Right. If they didn't actually choose, just like Una didn't choose. I don't know why they didn't raise that point. Una didn't choose this. This was chosen for her by her. She did actually choose it. It was chosen for her by her ancestors. So I'm sure I was kind of curious as why they didn't raise that issue. They did raise it in her closing argument. She raised that issue that it wasn't her choice. It was done before birth. Right. But she didn't say that about Lon. You let Lon be Oh, oh, um, I, I'm okay. An officer? Why can't Una be an officer? You know, what's the prop? What's the difference? And and I'm like, I can only assume that it's a generational difference. That it's somehow with the addition of other DNA from yeah. parents, etc. I don't know. Anyway, but I really appreciated that that she kind of dug a little deeper into Lon's family history than we've ever seen before, and that was really cool. We got to see uh, the testimony of um, Lon and Spock and Dr. Mbenga, which I thought was really nice. It was all very positive and supportive of Una in a really genuine way, each within their own character. Really enjoyed that. And then we got to see, and we got to see um, Nira doing her very aggressive attorney routine as you pointed out with captain april mm-hmm. where you know captain april said he would not have recommended una if he had known about her illyrian background and then she turned around and jumped on him for violations of the prime directive right which i thought was kind of cool yeah you know it's like you know it's okay sometimes and it's not okay other times what's the deal here that was the testimony that had been stricken but i think it raised a good point that the tribunal needed to consider sure absolutely um but they didn't want to consider it because they were only wanting to look at Una's behavior, not an indictment of all Starfleet captains. Exactly, which is why she knew they would have it stricken. Yeah, we got, to, and then we got to see this admiral, and it was really interesting because when Una rejected the plea deal on counsel, you know, by counsel advice, when the admiral came in, 
I knew they were going to bring down the hammer hard. And my husband's like, well, why do they do that? And I'm like, well, because A, they want people to take plea deals because it saves money and it saves time. And B, it sets it up for a future plea deal, which may not be as good as the one that was first offered, but it still can, you know, stop the whole 20 years in prison mm-hmm. thing. So they're trying to show that they've got a bigger hammer. So, But it was interesting because he was in there for that. I'm really curious as to what his stake was. Because there's an, a scene where we get to see, just in a, off in a distance, the Admiral, the Vulcan Admiral, and Spock talking to each other. I love that scene, by the way. It was a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> and the helmsman, whose name just escaped me, He's um, watching with Dr. Mbenga, Ortega. Ortega. He's watching yeah. with um, D- Dr. Mbenga at a different table. And she's kind of making fun of them about how boring their Vulcan conversation is. And he's saying, and Dr. Mbenga, who has worked with Vulcans, he's like, no, no, no. There's a lot of tension there. They don't like each other. You can guarantee you they don't like each other. I can tell by the body language. And then Spock rises and comes over and apologizes him for his outburst. Right. <laughs> Which we see nothing of. We just see two Vulcans sitting and talking to each other. Right. And Ortega, it was almost a slight to Spock as if they were buddy-buddy. Right. And that Spock was sucking up to this guy. Oh, I see, I didn't read it that way because the last thing she did was to feign going to sleep. Like it was a boring conversation. Oh, yeah, as she opposed had, to a sucking up conversation. Right. She did that too. But if you listen to what she was saying, it was kind of like, uh, it was almost like she was, she was not angry, but she was thinking that Spock was buddying up with this guy because he's a Vulcan and that he would kind of be agreeing with this guy. I guess. I I, I don't know. I didn't get quite that from it. But yeah, I would definitely agree that she was assuming that because they were logical that they would be all about the regulations. Right. Yeah. And agreeing with each other on points of logic. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but it was still a wonderful scene. Oh, yeah, it was um, funny. It was funny. And the, rela- and the interaction between Ortegas and Mbenga was just delightful. Right. And then, of course, at the end of this episode, we get to see Justice Triumph because Nira, Una's attorney, finds a Federation law after the Admiral. Oh, I should really figure out his name. Let's see if I can find his name. <laughs> I keep referring to him as the Vulcan Admiral. I don't remember I either. I don't remember either. Admiral Pasalk. Okay. Okay, so Admiral Pasalk does not allow Battelle to get up and give the closing argument. He does it and mm-hmm. argues about facts and logic and law, which is exactly what you would expect him to do. And I think Nira was expecting it and counting on it. Right. So then she pulls out law that says, yes, but you know what? We've got this law that allows people who are feels unsafe and persecuted to petition Starfleet for asylum. And that's what happened here. Una felt unsafe in her home environment. She joined Starfleet to be safe, and then she outed herself to Captain Pike as a request for asylum, which I thought was kind of a stretch. Well, and I just thought after 20 years she requested asylum. Right. (laughs) But the the tribunal went with it, and all was happy at the end. (laughs) Right. And I think it was because she gave them an out. She gave them a way to keep this highly decorated, highly respected Starfleet officer in Starfleet while not completely overturning the law about uh, genetic modification, which is what Nira appeared to be going for at the beginning. Right. Which was also calculated. Oh, absolutely. That- she pushed for oh, go overturning this law at the beginning, and they're like, well, we can't do that. And then she gives them another way out. Well, we can do that. Right, right. And that was, uh, that was pretty much the entire episode. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't raised yet? 
I don't think so. The awkward hug was good. I like that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I liked it too. It was definitely awkward. And again, more character right. development. You know, Captain Pike was just was so grateful and glad and relieved to have her back. And Una's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Yeah. But like I said, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was as good as last week's, only because some of the stuff just seemed over the top to me. I get the point. I get everything that happened. But the testimony seemed a little contrived. And I could understand if she was prepped to testify, how that would work. But you're right. If she didn't say the right words, her attorney is good enough to be able to get the right words out of her. So I'll I'll concede on that, but I still... I still feel it was just a little much. I understand. So what um, what rating would you give this uh, episode on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, I gave last week an 8, and I don't didn't dislike this that much. So, like, I think a 7.5 is too low. So I'm going to go 7.7. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, I'm going for 9.5. Really? Okay. Yeah, I I really loved this one. And I watched it again. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I was just, you know, caught up in it the first time around. So I watched it again another time. And I was like, nope, really love it. (laughs) Now, again, I'm looking at it through, you know, retired attorney lenses. So it may just be that it's because I have such a comfort level with that kind of environment that it speaks to me in a way that might not speak to anybody else. And I totally accept that. Yeah. All right. So now we invite our listeners to join us when we talk about Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 3, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Do you recognize that phrase? Sort of, but not really. I, I think if you, as soon as you say it, I'm going to say yes, of course, I should have known that. But go ahead. Yeah, it'll come back to you. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Well, this is from a speech from Macbeth. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and fruts his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. So there's pieces of this you can find in modern literature all over the place. For example, All Our Yesterdays is the title of an original series Trek episode. I think that's actually what I was thinking about. I was thinking it was an original series episode title and it wouldn't come to me. And I said, as soon as she says it, I'm going to say, oh, of course. But nope, I wasn't thinking Macbeth. Yeah. So there we go. So I'll be really interested to see how they tie this in. It could be a time travel episode. Do you know me? I love time travel episodes. So do I, but I get so, I get so <laughs> bogged down in, okay, if this happened, well, well, then why didn't this happen? If they did this here, why didn't it change over here? Yeah. But I do, I do like time travel. It just kind of, I think too much about it. I yeah, think. I hear you. All right. Well, very good. Well, I look forward to discussing that one with you next week. Okay. We'll see you next week. Looking forward to it. Bye. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter at Ross Bugden, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM.
and we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.